everyone. Welcome to the third episode of Women's Hoops and Talks, where we are elevating the voices of women who love basketball. I'm Tara, and I am joined by my uh, faithful co-host, Kendall. Kendall, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Very good. How is the East Coast treating you these days? Oh, it's good. It's just busy because of school, but... Semester's almost over, so just didn't through those last couple weeks. You're coming up on finals, aren't you? Oh yes. <laughs> so are you? Are yeah. you? Do you have a healthy routine down? Are you taking care of yourself? Um, I don't know how um possible it is to have a healthy routine as a college student. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, NBA players are on the road for yeah. all these months out of the year. I think you. I think you can take care of your health too. Yeah. <laughs> Doing my best as much sleep as I can, which is not always as much as I'd like, but doing my best with that. And luckily, you know, I'll be home in a couple weeks and I can catch up on sleep. So. Oh, that's good. And you have a healthy diet. Have you gone vegan like everybody else who's <laughs> uh, really trying to concentrate and do a really good job on things? <laughs> no, I... I have not gone vegan. I, <laughs> um, I don't think I ever will go vegan. Um, but you know, I respect it. Just not, not something I think I'm going to be doing anytime soon. You know, it struck me the other day because Tom Haverstow, uh, wrote an article several weeks ago about, you know, the new NBA vegan diet. And then last year there was the whole story about peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Um, it seems like NBA writers are really chasing down and finding a lot of NBA food stories. Like yeah. the other night, the story about Nerland's Noel and the hot dog that yeah, during yeah. the, was it halftime at a game, he went to the press room and got a hot dog and it became this whole thing. Everybody yeah, seems obsessed was, with food. I don't know. I I mean, personally, like that is the last thing I care about when it comes to the NBA is what they're eating. <laughs> like, um, I know like the, the funny thing is I, I always like what Evan Turner comes out and says when he talks about food and um, he always kind of has like a similar view, just kind of like whatever works for you. And um, he says a lot of funny stuff. Like when Dame came out and was vegan and, and Evan Turner was like, I'll never be vegan. I could never do it. And yeah, I mean, I just, I don't, I don't really care what players are eating. That's not something I want to be reading about. I think it's really interesting. Like, I mean, so obviously they're, they're really, um, focusing a lot on their health. It's become, you know, a priority of the league. I mean, they've even changed how they do scheduling and added a whole mm -hmm. bunch more rules to how they do schedule and travel and eliminating as many back-to-backs and fours mm -hmm. and fives and all that stuff. And they've been, you know, working hard doing all that stuff. And it seems like this year there's already been like a ton of injuries. And I... Yeah. I guess I kind of yeah. thought that like, okay, great, they're going to be healthier, but I don't, I don't necessarily know that it actually prevents injuries so much as maybe helps them recover from injuries more. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, I think that this is kind of just a weird season. I don't think that those are necessarily linked because I think definitely like limiting back to backs, different things like that. I don't, there's no way that could be causing more injuries. Right. Um, I think it is just kind of a weird year where these are both happening at the same time. So people are trying to make connections between them. But I don't think there's any connections, honestly. I think it's just this year. I don't think there's um, – there's actually not really more injuries this year. They're just two more star players. Yeah. So people So people care more. But the amount of injuries are pretty much the same. It's just – now it's happening to the Steph Currys and the the Gordon Haywards of the league. So people are starting to actually care. Yeah, it really happened to like the people a lot. of, it, And I think also it happened to a lot of people like who were on the move, you know, like you said, like Hayward, you know, even like Patrick Beverly, who was part of the, you know, Chris Paul trade. Um, yeah. Bill Sapp was another one. So like all these, mm -hmm. maybe it seems more elevated because all these people that we were looking forward to seeing playing in their um, new like surroundings, new yeah, like went down. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. It also, definitely there's been some great recoveries more. too, you know, like mm -hmm. Gobert came back early. Mm -hmm. Hopefully uh, uh, Kawhi Leonard. Hopefully he's coming back soon. I know they keep hinting at it, but I definitely miss watching Kawhi. He's one of my favorite players to watch, and um, I obviously really want to see him come back, but 
yeah, that's still kind of up in the air. They just keep saying soon, soon, and then nothing ever happens. So we'll see how long that is. Hopefully he's back before the end of the year. But I feel like one game he's just suddenly going to be out there. Yeah, they're not even they're not even going like, to announce it. It's just he's in the lineup. Yeah. Hey, can you believe that we are more than a quarter of the way through the NBA season? I know. It's crazy. It's going by so fast. That absolutely blows my mind. What yeah. are some of the things that are on your mind? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing that's really been standing out to me this season is all the talk around the Warriors, obviously, has been, it's kind of fluctuated their performance level, and um, so obviously with the rocky start, and people are talking about it a lot, but now all of a sudden the big talk is Tevin Durant and all of his ejections that have been happening, so uh, that's that's very interesting to me. I think that, I mean, I've been a big uh, person saying that the Warriors are going to kind of be their own worst enemy with their attitudes and their egos and everything and I think this is a big example of that happening already I mean he goes from I think it was what the first 810 games of his career or something he'd been ejected twice and then for through the first 18 games of this season he's had three ejections and that's I mean that's crazy that's like a huge huge difference yeah what do you think is what do you think is going on I mean <laughs> it's just like is he is he trying to like be a bad boy I mean is he like trying to be like I'm gonna be the gritty guy now on our team and I maybe I think so much of what Kevin Durant does is for show and for the attendance so I would not be surprised if he's suddenly trying to get this like he's trying to put attention on something else to get some sort of story surrounding him or I don't know I I could totally believe that but I also think part of it too is just the Warriors as a whole they're kind of bored like you can tell just in their playing they're bored they came into the season thinking oh we don't have to try and it'll be fine and they came in playing like that and and now all of a sudden things are starting to be a little harder for them and even when they do start trying they're not winning games as easily as they used to and I think that they're starting to get frustrated and that he's basically lashing out at that. And I think that's, I think that's all kind of leading to this. Yeah. I mean, it's, we're along, they, they look very different from the team that was like two full seasons ago, you know, the team of joy that where they were all focused on joy. Now they're all holding each other back. And, and, um, uh, you know, Draymond Green is the one who's stepping in between uh, Durant and Boogie and trying to calm everybody down. And that's just like, wow. (laughs) Yeah, you never thought he'd be the one getting in there stopping things from happening. (laughs) No kidding. Well, there was an interesting um, article, which I read on on NBA.com, but it actually is a quote from a San Francisco Chronicle article by Connor Letourneau, um, where he quoted Kevin Durant as saying, and I just thought this was really strange. He said, every time I get ejected, I make sure it's late in the game, Durant said. I'm not <laughs> messing up like that in the first or second quarter. I make sure it's late in the game if I want to do something. Like that just. <laughs> it, that just show, that shows that he's just like, he doesn't care that he's getting ejected. He's just kind of doing it to prove a point, which I can understand to some degree where obviously if you're, if you have your problems and you're like, okay, well, I'm going to wait to express them till the end so that if I did eject did it's fine I still get my point across but it's like it's almost like he's also just not taking it seriously too I guess it's been a oh sorry go ahead oh that's just kind of like from a view like a a fan standpoint that just kind of annoys me yeah even more than I already am with this team half the time so (laughs) I guess as like it's it's uh, as someone who's um many 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 years removed from a team that um being the fan of a team that was you know a per- perennial contender i just i can't understand <laughs> um you know being how you could possibly be bored with excellence like gosh yeah. i'm sorry that you know the the game is just coming to you so easily that you got to get yourself ejected or get other people wound up yeah. i don't know it's it's very interesting but you know it's kind of it's it also makes it more compelling to watch when there's some cracks in the facade yeah definitely i mean it's just the season as a whole has just been interesting i mean has there anything else like that's kind of stood out to you any big things are going on that you've been thinking about well one of the things that I think is um, really interesting is 
it's been a really weird year for centers. You know, like we, they've been talking for quite a while about how the league is changing. And, you know, ever since we've seen the rise of small ball um, and the more centers coming into the league with more uh, shooting abilities and skills on the outside that like their traditional center is changing. And it's kind of playing out in a weird way with some like really talented players that you would have thought would be playing or, you know, would be um, making a difference or making an impact or being very satisfied with their situations, but things are changing. So like, so here's an example. There's like two, uh, two centers out there who are like not being played at all, who yeah. were really high in the draft pick. So you've got Nerland's Noel, who's getting hot mm-hmm. dogs in the middle of a game. <laughs> yeah. He's not playing. Mm-hmm. And then you have a guy like Jaleel Okafor, um, in the seven, you know, for the 76ers, who's not getting played at all. I just, I think it's a really weird. Like, what do you think is going to happen to them? I, I mean, Nerland's Noel, it was just um, released that he's actually about to have thumb surgery. So he, even if they wanted to play him, they can't play him for a few weeks. Um, but not that they were going to play him anyway. Um, but then with Jalil Okafor, that, I, that situation honestly makes me really upset because he has so much potential. He has potential to be such a great player in this league. And they're basically just like holding him hostage there. They're not trading him. They're not. He just wants to leave and he just wants to play. He's said so many times he doesn't care where he is. He just wants the chance to play. Mm-hmm. And they're not giving him that chance at all. And he deserves that chance. And... um I think that in a lot of ways, if they keep doing this to him, like this is almost going to ruin his career if they keep him there for too long. They're going to take away opportunities for him, and that that bothers me a lot. But then um, also I saw a picture on social media. I've seen a bunch of him. He's sitting in the second row behind the bench, and he's uh, not even suited – or he's not even – in uniform, he's in a suit, he's sitting on the bench, and he's handing, um, I think it was handing Ben Simmons a water bottle. And they were saying, like, he's not a water boy, like, free free him and all this. And it's seeing little things like that, that it's just, it's just blatant disrespect to him at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to prove, you know, hard to make yourself, um, you know, uh, a desirable piece for a team when they can't see you play. And, like, there's there's teams out there where – he it feels like he could play like teams like Chicago or Atlanta, which obviously, you know, they're like, he's not probably going to be sent to a big contender, but let him go somewhere where he can show what he's got at least, you know, for a year. And like mm-hmm. you said, get out there and showcase his skills. Cause right now, yeah, they're, they're, they've really, um, you know, hamstrung him for, you know, he doesn't have any way to show what he's got. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. It, it was interesting with Nerlens Noel with with his contract situation because mm-hmm. like with Jalil, like he seems to be like completely like it's just out of his hands. Like he has like all he can do is sit there and see what, you know, play the hand that is dealt to him or whatever. But Nerlens Noel, like he had a chance where he could have accepted the extension and he didn't. And yeah. Um, that one is a little bit more on him, <laughs> I, yeah. would say, I would say. Um, and, you know, uh, yeah, it's but it, it's it's weird. For, so those are two like really young guys poised at like, you know, pretty much, you know, very early on in their career. So we haven't even really seen what they could do. We got a, like a little bit of a glimpse of Nerland Noel, but we haven't really fully, you know, seen them be able to really reach their potential. But there's also mm-hmm. a couple of veterans out there who are uh, they're involved in trade rumors like already. It's yeah. Barely December. And <laughs> the rumor mills are already kicking up. I'm talking about, um, in particular, DeAndre Jordan and Marc Gasol. Mm-hmm. What do you think about uh, the rumors surrounding? Let's start with DeAndre. What do you think about the rumors surrounding him? I think that they should trade him. I absolutely believe they should. I think that the Clippers are kind of, I mean, they're always, they've always been kind of a struggle, even when they were doing better the past couple of years. They've, it's like they were never getting better. They just kind of stuck in like a mediocre area. Um, and then after losing Chris Paul and now Blake Griffin, he's getting injured every other day and now he's out for the next month. And 
I think they definitely need to move him and kind of rebuild in that franchise. And um, I think, personally, I would love to see him go to the Wizards. Oh, um, okay. Tell me I more. Think, yeah, so I, I think that him and John Wall together would be terrifying <laughs> for teams. Um, and I, I mean, I'm a big John Wall fan. I really, I mean, it's, it's hard to uh, support the Wizards right now after last night's loss. <laughs> but, um, but that aside, I, um, I really respect that team and I want to see that team get better. And they're kind of stuck right now. They just need like one more piece. And I think DeAndre would be that piece for them. Uh, but then it comes to what are they going to have to give away? And they would they would probably, I mean, they'd have to trade away definitely Martian Gortat. He would, they'd definitely have to give him away. Um, and But they'd have to do some give someone else away. I don't see them doing uh, or trading away like Teleubre. I don't see that happening based off the way he's playing this year. Um, he's He's been so good for them this year. So they'd probably have to give someone like... Uh, like Markeith Morris or something. So I don't, I don't know if they're willing to do that, but I think that they might. I think that would be the best place for him. I well, I've I've read a couple of rumors about him that I thought were pretty interesting, and they were kind of based on the fact that DeAndre just got a new agent. He had been mm-hmm. without an agent for two years. Yeah, and. I mean, his is a really interesting story to me because most people probably remember what happened um, during free agency. What was it? Two or three years ago when he um, uh, was going to go to Dallas, changed his mind and his friends, you know, his teammates from the Clippers went and sat with him and helped him sit through free agency so that he would come back. And to me, that, you know, shows me that he's a guy, you know, with a lot of loyalty to the friends that he has and the people that he plays with. And, he, you know, he thought he was going to leave and then he just decided that he couldn't quite do it. And he called his friends and, you know, that was, you know, the story of the summer <laughs> a few summers ago. So we know that he's kind of like tested the waters, but ultimately he decided to stay where he was. And then after that, I think that was when after that is when he got rid of his agent. Um, and he hasn't had an agent, which kind of means that you're like not going to be on the market either, because if you don't have an agent, it's really hard for teams to talk about you because um, they can't talk directly to you. So the fact that he's now engaged an agent has a lot of people thinking like, oh, OK, this this is, you know, more likely to happen now because, you know, he's got somebody who can speak on his behalf. Um and so I've been reading about some of the other people that the agent has relationships with because, you know, it's all about relationships, right? Yeah. So one of the people that uh, he has, that his agent, whose name is um, Schwartz. What's his first name? His last name is Schwartz. I can't think of what his first name is. Jeff Schwartz. Okay. So um, Schwartz used to uh, represent Jason Kidd. Um head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. And I've also heard DeAndre Jordan brought up in the context of um, going to the Milwaukee Bucks. Like they need any more help and talent in the future. I mean, they do need, they do need help, but. Uh, oh yeah. I think, I mean, I think that would be good too. Um, they definitely, yeah, they, cause they're, I mean, as, uh, they should be better on paper than they actually are. They're very inconsistent. They're losing to teams that maybe they shouldn't be losing to, but then also beating teams they maybe shouldn't be beating. So it's they're kind of the butts are confusing. I think with Giannis, he is incredible, but he can't he can't carry the team the entire season. He can only carry through a few games every once in a while. So they, I he would definitely help them, and they they need they need one more piece. But I don't think. I'm just worried about him going somewhere away from his guys, <laughs> you know, being away from like Chris Paul and Blake Griffin being so far away from them. It just it worries me. I'm like, I don't know. But so here's another one. This, this is a, a local connection. Um, Jeff Schwartz also represents CJ McCollum and Noah Vonley. So I haven't really seen any serious rumors tying him to the Trailblazers. But what would you think? I mean, if DeAndre Jordan came to Portland, I mean, obviously that would 
probably mean we didn't have Nurkic because we couldn't just, you know, take their yeah. center and not give one back. Plus, we have like 12 centers. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, people could uh, do the math faster than me, but I'm pretty sure you could put at least one of those really large contracts um, up, you know, because DeAndre Jordan's going to make a lot of money. Um, so like Evan Turner or a combination of um, Mo Harkless, Myers Leonard. I don't know. What do you, how do you think uh, um, DeAndre Jordan would fit on the Trailblazers? Um, well, if I'm not mistaken, DeAndre Jordan is a free agent next year, right? So he's, yeah. So he, this summer, he's a, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent with a player option. So basically what that means is that if he went to Portland, he would be there for a year and he would leave. I don't see him staying. Um, for that reason, I think it would be a terrible idea to trade for him because he's not going to stay. And then all of a sudden we just traded away Nurk and now we have no center and we're back to the same problems we've been having for the past few years. So yeah. I we would have gotten be- a lot rid of a lot of, cap space because he's making like 25 million yeah um but i don't i don't think it's so hard to get people to come to portland in free agency we'd have to trade for someone big and then we just who else then would we have to trade so it would i think it would put us in a bad situation i think it'd be good for a year and then i think it would just end up hurting us more than uh, it would that. also be bad because he doesn't shoot from the outside ever at all. <laughs> and what we need is a some more th- three point shooters. <laughs> exactly, and I think that what we what the Blazers need right now, I think he would help us, but I don't think that he would help us enough to really make us. I don't think he would make us en- enough. Like I don't think he would improve our team enough to make it worth it. I don't think he wouldn't suddenly make us a a Western Conference finals contender i don't think he would he wouldn't be that final piece for us um and i and even if he decided to stay even if it wasn't just a one-year rental and he decided to sign on he's not super young he's getting old he's gonna start i mean he's already kind of starting to decline a little bit and nurk is just gonna keep getting better so i think that they need to look at the long term, and I don't. I don't see the Blazers even attempting to trade for him. I don't see that happening. I at don't. All. I don't think it's likely. I was kind of putting it out there for the people who want to burn it all down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that might be a way to get out from under some contracts, have some yeah. fun this year, and then start from scratch. But like Dan from the the weekly podcast always says, like, are you going to go and tell Dame that that's what the plan is? We're going to yeah. start from scratch. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that would not that would not go over well with him. <laughs> I have a hard time talking about uh, trades because I I I think of the guys on the team always like as my family, and I'm like, if I like, I'm I'm not I'm not ready to give them up. <laughs> so yeah. I, I have a hard time, you know, looking at it dispassionately. But it's interesting for a thought experiment. Like it's kind of like doing a math story problem to figure out if things would work and you know, if the things that you're adding on this side of the equation are going to equal to the thing on the other side of the equation. Mm-hmm. So the, the last center that I'll bring up in terms of like weird things going on this year is Marcus Saul in Memphis. Um, rumors are swirling around him because of some comments that he made and their coach in Memphis recently getting fired. Um, I've got all kinds of questions about questions about this. And luckily we're about ready to talk to a guest from Memphis who can answer our questions about what the heck is going on over there. So we are going to bring in Amy Stegmeyer. She is a blogger, uh, from a blog called all heart in hoop city out of Memphis. She covers the Grizzlies and other basketball teams out, out their way. And we will hear from her. What is going on in Memphis? Well, Amy, 
Welcome to episode three of Women's Hoops and Talks. We are very happy to have you on. You are a, uh, a Memphis fan, a Memphis Grizzlies fan. You write about the team. You follow the team. You're passionate about that team. And um, there's been a lot going on in Memphis. So I guess our first question, we, you know, Kendall and I were just talking about big men. And we know that there's stuff going on with the coach being fired and your big man, Marcus all. Can you just kind of walk us through the last few weeks about what's been going on in Memphis? Um, it has been quite honestly, a very emotional time. The announcement um, that David Fisdale had been fired. Um, I was actually coming, I was on the way home, uh, picking my kids up from school. And apparently Waj did his thing and all of a sudden my phone started blowing up and I couldn't figure out what it was. And then I get to a stoplight and I look and that was not, um, the, the tension that it had built up between David Fisdale and Mark Gasol was not, uh, was not a secret. And Mark, uh, very, was very open in his disappointment that in that game against the Brooklyn Nets um, that Coach Fisdale benched him for the entire fourth quarter. Um, and that was the Sunday night and then Monday afternoon um, it was announced that he was fired, which in my absolute uh, semi going to pretend to be professional opinion, I think was really stupid and short-sighted because... I don't necessarily think that David Fisdale is the reason why the Grizzlies aren't winning very many basketball games right now. Uh, Mike Conley being injured, um, a host of new guys who aren't super familiar with the plays that they run, plus a handful of guys that are on minutes restriction. Um, I'm not really sure that another coach could have done much better with, you know, basically with the pile of warm bodies that he had for, for lack of a better term than David Fisdale did down that stretch. Um, and whether or not it was a direct result of Mark's reaction to being benched in the fourth quarter of the Brooklyn game, the optics of this are essentially they lost. Mark got mad. Mark got in his feelings as he does it, he doesn't like to lose. And, and, and I get that. Um, but he has a way about him. And, and I say this because I've actually been in his presence on a number of occasions after the Grizzlies have lost a game. And you can, it's palpable. You can sense it. He's surly for lack of a better word. Um, and, and I don't mean, I don't mean that as an insult because he's obviously, he's very passionate about the game of basketball. He wants to win basketball games. You know, he wants to win basketball, quote unquote, the right way which I think might be part of the problem as far as him and David, David Fisdale butting heads was they didn't quite get on the same page. And Coach Fisdale really wanted Mark to step up and be a leader in a way that Mark has made pretty apparent he's not really interested in doing. And honestly, he's not quite capable of doing consistently, which I guess would be fine if Conley weren't hurt. Um, Right now, we're pretty much riding on the back of Tyreek Evans. You know, Marcus All is a very good basketball player, so I don't. None of this is necessarily meant to disparage him, but if you want to boil it down, very very simply, um, essentially, they may have just torched the future of this franchise on what boils down to his hurt feelings, and so yeah, I do feel kind of a a, a bit upset about that, um, and that's. The, the fan base is, is is pretty divided at this point because there's a lot of people who 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 did really believe, you know, as I do, in what David Visdale was trying to do um, on the court. He's also had a very big presence off the court in the community in Memphis. He's been a very outspoken advocate um, for some uh, some issues here in the city. And I, I really think that this was a situation where everyone would have been better suited just to to send Coach Fisdale and Mark in a room and go, you know what, you guys sit down and work this out and, you know, come out, come out when you're done. Because it feels more like all of this happened over a personality clash. Now, 
whether or not that is how that played out, because the day after it was announced that Coach Fisdale got fired, then there was announcement that the Grizzlies minority ownership group had triggered the buy clause for um, majority owner Robert Parra. Yeah, can you explain a little bit about what that what that means? <laughs> We've had like one owner for so long that we have no like in Portland, you know, it's been Paul Allen for so many years. Like we don't know like all the other how you know how multiple owners works. <laughs> I gave myself a crash course on this the other day because I, I was was kind of confused. From what I understand and everything that I've read, the minority group, um, essentially right now, Robert Parra either has to buy them out or he has to sell his stake in the team. I'm not really sure what that would look like as far as the day-to-day operations because um, Robert Parra is not a very visible owner. Um, he's he's not Mark Cuban. He uh, he's not Steve Ballmer, um, which bless him. I love that um, about him. Um, he he he's very hands off, and supposedly, I, you know, I, I just assumed that this was one of those areas where he had delegated authority to someone who, you know, who who did this sort of thing. Um, if that someone is the current general manager, Chris Wallace. He should have been fired long before David Fisdale. Um, and I, at this point, there's not really anything that can be done to change what's happened. But in the span of about 72 hours, it made really all of uh, Memphis Grizzlies fandom in, in kind of the Memphis area pretty nervous. Um, yeah, uh, we, we went from, okay, we're, you know, we're, we're losing a lot of games. This is bad. Because at that point, I think we were on a, like a nine-game losing streak, which which was bad enough. And, you know, Conley's out with a sore Achilles. He's possibly still two to three weeks out. Um, and then the coach that was supposed to be, you know, he, he came up under Eric Spolstra in Miami. And he was uh, the assistant David Fisdale did, and he was the assistant head coach for the 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 big three Miami teams. So he's got some championship experience, and he came in from the very first day and laid out his expectations, made very clear, you know, he was here because he wanted to, you know, to turn this into, you know, he, he wanted to lead the Memphis Grizzlies to a championship. And I feel like as far as, you know, ability, um, coaching-wise, he made everyone better last season. He made Mark Gasol better last season. Um, one of the first things that he said in that very first press conference was he wanted to get Mark to Mark shooting the three, which now he does. And it, that, yes, that happened. Um, he took, um, like, by this point last season, he had already taken more three-point shots and made more three-point shots than he had ever attempted in his career previously. Um, so him being able to add that element of of outside shooting to his game has been great. Um, Mark has been one of the guys that benefited from Fisdale here. And part of that was he brought on a very good um, assistant coaching staff, which is um, J.B. Bickerstaff, who is now the interim head coach. And I don't have... I, I think J.B. Bickerstaff is a great coach. Um, I think Nick Van Exel as a as a training coach is fantastic. You I have Nick really Van excited. Exel on the coach. Yes, team? we have Nick Van Exel. Yes, we do. Oh my gosh, that actually. Um, yeah, I'm gonna fangirl here for a minute uh, because that um, two days after um, he came in, uh, David Fisdale did his opening press conference, and they started announcing his personnel staff. And those very two hire first hires that they announced were. Um, J.B. Bickerstaff and Nick Van Exel. And I had the pleasure to sit and watch um, several times uh, in the pregame shoot around um, him working with um, with some of the younger guys. Uh, Andrew Harrison, uh, Wade Baldwin's not here anymore. Um, but if you look at the way that Mike Conley played last season, you can very, very clearly see the influence of Nick Van Exel on Mike Conley. And it has been it has been fantastic. 
Um, you know, I mean, I, I grew up, I, I remember watching Nick Van Exel on the Lakers. So this made me rationally happy. I, you know, one of the things that, that really impressed me about David Fisdale and that made me want to at least give him two full seasons the way that Dave Yeager got was he basically, he came in the door, he said, I'm going to do this, this, and this. And then he did that, that, and that. And he brought in people. He said, I, you know, I know that I have a lot to learn and I don't know everything. So I want to surround myself with people who, um, whose strengths lie in the areas where mine might not be, which um, he has done. It's amazing to me that he was there for less than two years, right? I mean, it, it, I'm not even going to pretend to not be biased about this because I am still really hacked off about this whole decision. Are um, there fans that are like, oh, yeah, we get it? Or are, is, is, are people still just scratching their heads? Th- th- there's a pretty clear division. There's a lot of people who are very pro Marcusall. And the way that it's laid out, you pretty much either have to be pro Gasol or pro Fisdale. And I think it's a lot more nuanced than that, but the optics of how this all played out. And and I'll be honest, I'm, I'm a little hacked off at, at Mark right now, too, because I feel like that he has a propensity to, to get angry and emotional when he's mad and when they don't win. And I don't necessarily think that warranted the sort of reaction for, for being benched for you know, for a quarter. I don't necessarily think that there's anybody on that team that should be above, well, should be above following the, following the coach's directions. And again, no, no offense to Mark, but you're not LeBron there. And honestly, I can't think of anybody else in this league who really should have, have that sort of influence. And that right there is a management issue. That's not on Gasol because at the end of the day, Somebody in upper management had to have have said, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go ahead and, you know, we're going to get rid of Fisdale. I've read so many articles talking about, you know, the, the dysfunctional look. And, you know, it's kind of like you don't want to hear anybody talk bad about your family, even though you can talk bad about your family. But I honestly, I cannot defend that because it's all pretty much right. You know, so Gasol's kind of earned this reputation, deserve it or not, as a quote unquote coach killer. Um, and there's going to be a lot of, I, I don't really know that a lot of, a lot of other coaching candidates are going to want to put themselves in a position where they don't feel like they have the kind of autonomy they need to be a successful coach. Like if my job is dependent on the whims of this one franchise player, and I don't disagree that Mark is a franchise player, but you know, from a coaching perspective, why would you really want to take a job where, whether or not you keep that job hinges on basically on, on, on somebody's attitude. Um, but I really do feel like David Fisdale should have been given two full seasons the way that David Yeager was. Um, I'm probably going to cry some really bitter tears when um, Coach Fisdale inevitably gets signed by another team because he is a good coach. You know, how the rest of the season plays out yeah. yeah. So where do yeah. you think that the franchise goes from there? Do you think that the Nets move is to trade, Mark? Or I mean, is there is there an immediate fix right now? Or is it just kind of waiting it out and seeing what happens? Like what do you think is the Nets move? Mark is a feelings guy. And if the fan base turns like I, he's not the kind of guy who I don't think he could really handle getting booed repeatedly in the FedEx forum. Like I, I do think he might ask for a trade which would really put the Grizzlies in a bad position. And Mark has not done himself any favors with how all of this played out because now he's sort of got this coach killer label hanging over his head. So his value to another team, you know, he's on a big contract. And if, you know, he's good, but he's not, I mean, but you're right. He's 32 32 years old, and if he weren't in Memphis, um, no, he wouldn't have gotten that contract. But we're a small market, and, you know, you, you pay your stars, and I don't have a problem with that. And I had hoped um, with, you know, the younger guys that were kind of starting to be worked into the rotation, um, that within the next two or three seasons, as 
Mark's game kind of goes, you know, he starts to hit the downhill slide in his career and, you know, Conley as well, that instead of doing, you know, a full on crash and burn tank, which I really don't think that the fan base here in Memphis will tolerate, it's more of a retooling as they go along rather than rebuilding. So that, you know, as, you know, for instance, say um, Deontay Davis is, this is his second year. Um, he's one of the Grizzlies' new bigs, you know, say, give him two or three years. And by the time Mark's, you know, kind of phase out in the same way, moved, moved towards a six man role in the same way that they did with Zach Randolph. Um, so you think they might ask him to eventually go to the bench or just like have a smaller role as a starter and give this other guy more play, more time. That was something that I thought would be like a, a, a macro look and what happened over the next two or three seasons. I don't think there's any way that, that Gasol is going to get his minutes cut, especially now. I would really hate to see um, Gasol traded or ask for a trade after all of this. I, I, I would probably, I would be rationally mad about that as a fan for, for a while, just because it's like, okay, so you, you know, you, you torched, you, you torched everything and then you decided you were going to leave. And it, it just, I think it would, would really make, I, I guess the feeling of being a Grizzlies fan, kind you know, kind of ugly. Well, I don't. Um, we're we're kind of running out of time, and I don't. I want to end on um, a happier note because <laughs> it sounds like things are. I'm not. I mean, I'm not laughing at. I'm laughing. No, no, you know, no, no. Just, I completely I, understand. I'm trying to hug you, but I can't because we're on Skype. So, <laughs> but it sounds like it's pretty dark days in uh, in um, Memphis right now. But there, you do something which. I find like really inspiring. And so I'm wondering if you could tell us about all heart in hoop city. Um, well, this is our fourth season covering the Grizzlies. Um, and originally it started me and my partner, Sharon, she had the idea to start a blog, start a site, uh, a, a Grizz- to, to write about the Grizzlies, um, for female writers. And when we started, it was just the two of us. And then we've kind of grown organically and now there's been the same five of us for the last two years and we went from I mean I honest to be I didn't think anybody would read it and I and I don't I mean I don't mean just to say that um sometimes I I kind of look back over the last couple of years and some of the opportunities that that we've had um I am really proud of the thing that we have built we we are credentialed for a lot of the um, home games throughout the season. I have covered with media credentials two, you know, playoff games two years in a row, which if you had told me that when we, we first started out, I, I, I would have looked at you like you were insane. But especially with kind of the environment in the world of sports media right now, one thing I think that has been sorely lacking is is the perspective of female sports fans. And it is honestly not a lot. A lot of times it's not very much fun to participate in the traditional online communities. There's a lot of Grizzlies fan pages on Facebook, which is six or seven circles of hell worse than NBA Twitter. But, you know, we, we just honestly, we, we started out because we liked basketball and we, you know, we like to write about it. And as you know, as we've kind of evolved over the last few years, um, this summer we started covering um, the WNBA, which I am super excited about. And, you know, we've started kind of dabbling into this is the first season of the Memphis G League affiliate, the Memphis Hustle. Uh, They've just, this is their first season. So we're covering all the Grizzlies games, um, trying to write up games, although it's been... Like my my last two game recaps have all been like sad bear memes and 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 gifts and stuff because because what once you get to a certain point right if you, you if you're see, not crying <laughs> yeah and and honestly it, my my humor is for my benefit and whether or not anybody else is amused by it is kind of you know kind of secondary and because I have editorial privileges, I can abuse them as much as I want. And I do. Um, and one of the things that's made this, this streak of really awful games more bearable is being able to do fun, silly stuff. Um, I did a, 
a photo essay of a recap of their their win against Minnesota, which is the first win, you know, in 11 games. Yeah. <laughs> and which was just, you know, pictures of a bear and a wolf chasing each other around. Um, it, it's very simple, but it, it was, you know. A therapeutic? It, yeah, it, it was therapeutic. Um, I mean, we can do, and we do, I guess, what passes for, for serious analysis. I have a I have a hard time with wanting to take myself too seriously because I feel like I'm not really qualified. And then I look at some of the things coming from some of the major national sports networks that they're paying for. And I'm like, wow, really? Okay. So, um, <laughs> yes, I'm absolutely throwing shade at whatever major national sports network you think I am. All of them. Yes. So you put your own your own stamp on it, and since, like you said, you have the editorial privilege, you get to put up what you want and share yeah, your and, point of view. You know, I mean, we've. I, I feel like as long as we're conveying the relevant info, you know, you get scores, you get stats. We'll, we'll talk about the game, but we're gonna, you know, because there's five of us, each one of us has a very unique voice in the way that we write, which I think honestly has has made our site better you know and really when it when it comes down to i guess you know what we do it's it's never really been about anything more than we're all just a bunch of women who really like grizzlies basketball and we like to talk about it and write about it and you know we created our own platform for that because i feel like it i think it's important for there to be some space where and maybe we're not necessarily like the place for it, although I think we may have been the first actual NBA devoted site run exclusively by women. I feel like that that female fans deserve a place to be able to express their fandom in an environment that's free from harassment and Internet dude bros. And um, well, I mean, you've, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure you, you, you've been on the Internet long enough to to know. <laughs> Like, I'm so I've heard. Really hard. I'm trying <laughs> really, really hard to keep my language PG because this is one of those topics that kind of gets under my skin a little bit. Because I, I, I feel like that there's not even necessarily the wrong way to be a basketball fan, mm -hmm. but it's there's a different a lot way. Of, absolutely. And you know, the league doesn't. You know, I mean, the league itself doesn't cater to female fans. We're not their target audience, and I get that, but. I think it, I don't think that there's anything wrong with there being a niche for, you know, some of us who who want to do that. And in the course of that, I have managed to meet some really cool ladies who also are very excited about basketball. Definitely you included. Oh, thank you. You know, it's we're going to keep writing about it as long as people keep reading. We might nece not necessarily have the happiest writing about it, but I mean... You do what you can do. I, I I recap the game where the Warriors beat us by fifty a couple of years ago. Like if I can get through that at this point, I can I can make a joke about really anything. <laughs> you now. can get through anything. Well, that's th that's awesome, and everybody should go check out All Heart and Hoop City and see what y'all have built over there. It's very cool. Now, our last question is: um, uh, we always ask our guests, who is a woman who inspires you in basketball right now? Um, I told you I made a list and I'm going to be, I, I really am going to be quick about this around the league. Um, Nancy Lieberman is the assistant coach for the Sacramento Kings. Um, she was um, actually a head coach for the Texas legends. Becky Hammond is an assistant coach for the San Antonio Spurs. She used to play in the WNBA as well. She played for the stars and the New York Liberty Doris Burke who is awesome, who I have actually been in her presence, and it is amazing. Um, and I've, I've, I I was too chicken to actually say anything, but it was really cool. It was it was during the playoffs. Cheryl Reeve is the head coach of the Minnesota Lynx, and I just think she's really awesome, so I wanted to throw her in there. Um, Amara Baptist runs uh, the social media accounts for the Memphis Grizzlies. She is very, very awesome, and she has definitely made – some some uh some low points over the last year and a half um a lot more fun and i'm really glad to see her um really really glad to have her as part of the organization too she's she's cool and oh yeah my friend casey sager and anna horford 
the last two are, are just my personal NBA Twitter friends. But if if we're talking about, you know, women who are tangentially related to basketball who inspire me, they definitely inspire me every day because they're both pretty badass chicks. So. <laughs> That's an awesome list. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Amy. It was uh, great to talk to you. Um, you know what? Maybe things will turn around in Memphis and we'll be, we'll talk four months from now and it'll be like the most incredible story ever told of a turnaround in a basketball season. Maybe that would be fantastic. (laughs) And if not, well, we can talk about how it's not and, and like cake or something. I don't know. Um. Right. Well, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, we got to love them through thick and thin. Right. And there's going to be thin. (laughs) There's going to be thin and it may be thin for a while. So my, you know, my opinion has always been, this is the team that, that I support and I support them even when I don't necessarily agree with their ownership or management. And even when they're not winning very many games. So we just kind of have to stick it out and, and see what happens. Thank you so much for joining us, Amy. It was a pleasure. And um, we will um, talk to you another time. And good luck to your team as the season moves on. Thank you so much for having me, Tara and Kendall. You guys have a good night. Yeah, thank you. You too. Okay, well, that's it for this episode of Women's Hoops and Talks, the What Podcast. You can find us on Stitcher, iTunes, as well as the Blazers Edge website and the various social media accounts that go along with that. Yeah, and speaking of Blazers Edge, it is the time of year where we start talking about Blazers Edge Night. Blazers Edge Night is a special night where Blazers Edge readers um, and friends of Blazers Edge contribute tickets to send over 2,000 kids and chaperones to attend a Blazer game. This year, Blazers Edge Night is going to be February 27th. It's going to be a game versus the Sacramento Kings. The Blazers always bring a really great game on Blazers Edge Night, and well, the arena is filled with kids who are just having an awesome time. We're going to put a link in the show notes to how you can donate to Blazers Edge. You can donate tickets if you have tickets. You can donate them or you can purchase tickets on behalf. And um, there's just like a little code that you put in. And it's a super cool thing to do, especially around the holiday time. Yeah. And you can also follow our personal social media accounts. Mine is Tendall Bennett. 16 or my twitter is at tendal bennett 16 and you can find me at tcb biggs that's on twitter um my instagram is super boring so you don't really need to find me on that <laughs> there's nothing that happens yeah. yeah so thanks everybody for listening and you can catch us next time we will be back in a couple of weeks